listening to the Grace City Church podcast. Make sure to check us out online at gracecityvegas.com. Also, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Grace City Vegas. Well, good morning, everyone. My name is Michael. I'm the pastor here at Grace City, and today is Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday. And uh, for that, we are excited. As we talk this morning in morning prayer, I just challenge everybody who is here just to Uh, express why they are excited uh, to celebrate today. You know, in church culture, we just get so accustomed to the things that we do that we just miss out on the newness of it, right? And uh, so my prayer this week has been that for us today, that we would kind of come back to that place and be stirred, uh, that our hearts would be stirred up, uh, coming back to our first love, coming back to that first time that we connected with the Lord and recognizing the significance of uh, this Sunday, not that it's just Another Sunday in our, you know, culture of like, and then, you know, we had the Easter eggs and we have leftover chocolate and I can't wait to eat more chocolate. That There's more to it than that. As one of the things I talked to them about, I said, remember when you were like a little kid and you knew you were going somewhere, you were promised you were going to go to Disneyland or whatever or something, you know, and you were just anticipating the days or maybe it was your birthday or Christmas or something, you know, you were anticipating the days, you were counting down the time, you were just excited. And there's this level of understanding that we have with Easter Sunday, with Resurrection Sunday, and what that means, that there should be this excitement anticipation. Now, I get it that that we have things in our life going on stuff, and sometimes that's easier said than done, but we have to purposefully go back to that place and say, Lord, I I, I feel that a little bit, but not until the level that I want that. Lord, would you stir that up in me? Would you change my heart? My heart has become calloused. I'm worrying about things I shouldn't be worried about. I want to be excited and, and as I did that this week, I was like, Lord, just, I know that that's my heart. That's just the way of humanity. Would you do that for me? Would you, would you just change my heart and just turn that and say, take all those calluses off and make that fresh and new? And, and he's faithful to do that. So as we look at the resurrection today, I want us to first start with the cross. I want us to go through some things that Jesus said on the cross because, you know, Jesus's ministry, the things that he said, the things that he did were amazing things, and these promises and and these declarations are great. But without the resurrection, it doesn't matter, right? We see that, and that's just not me making up something or quoting Lecrae, that is in scripture, right? So without the resurrection, right, we wasted our lives. We are preaching for nothing. So it's the resurrection that solidifies everything that Jesus has said, all of scripture, all the prophets, everything like that. The resurrection seals it because that's where the victory comes in, right? And that's why we celebrate. And so I want us to start with a couple of things spoken from the cross. And the first thing that we see, we see in Luke 23, 34, and there's this uh, truth of forgiveness, right? But Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they are doing. Then they threw dice to divide his clothes. You know, again, like, uh, I know we're talking about Jesus who is fully human and fully God, and so there's that God part in where we see this amazing uh, response. But I just put myself in that position of like, you know, when we're suffering, I, I don't know, this is maybe just me and you guys are a lot holier than I am. But when I'm suffering, it really is hard for me to think of others, right? You know, you think about this even in the little things and like this is really hard to admit. But like if you're one of those people who, you know, if you get hungry, you get hangry, Right. And you just can't deal. I just can't deal with people right now. I just haven't eaten. I have a headache, right? It's just such a simple thing. Man, you've missed a meal. Like, it's okay. It's going to be fine. Your blood sugar isn't that low. Don't act like it is, right? But yet, and when we're mildly inconvenienced, everything shifts from 
you know, our Christian values and how we should be Christ-like, and we become very self-centered. And then when I, so when I, I know that about myself, and I know that about you, too, when I read this, and I'm like, man, like, right in front of, like, this is happening to me. He's like, forgive them. They know not what they do. And then they, they cast lots for his clothes, like right, like, right there. Like, I mean, that's an amazing amount of forgiveness that we see. But this word here that is, is spoken, forgive, in the Greek means, means to remove the guilt. And I know oftentimes in our culture, we miss things because of the words that we use or how flagrantly we use them, right? So oftentimes in our Christian walk, as we are convicted, we say, ah, oh, I just feel guilty. Oh, the pastor made me feel guilty. Or, oh, I don't like that. It makes me feel guilty. Well, there's a difference between conviction and guilt. We're not going to go into that. But oftentimes what we feel, though, is we have that feeling of guilt, and so when, we, when I say this, don't hear me say that he removes the feeling of guilt, because it, he does, but it's a lot more than that. It's saying the very act of what you have done to be guilty, to remove that. The very act of that. Not just like, oh, I feel guilty and I don't like this feeling. No, it's, it's deeper than that. It's actually to remove the act. This is where we get the word justified, and there's this total forgiveness there. The second thing I want us to look at is in Luke 23, 43. We see this idea of paradise or heaven. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, I tell you the truth. Today you will be with me in paradise. So Jesus is being crucified between uh, two thieves on these crosses, right? So one is mocking him and, and you know, like, hey, why don't, you're God. Why don't you do, you know, and the other one, correct, you know, is like, Hey, shut up, don't you know who this is? Uh, this is obviously, I'm paraphrasing, okay? This is the Michael, this is the word on the street Bible. And, oh, y'all know about that Bible, huh? That's a real thing. Uh, look it up. Change your life. Uh, wow, I just want to rabbit trail really bad on that. I can't. Okay, we're going to move on. Move on to that, okay? But then, so then this is the thief talking to Jesus. He says, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus says to him, I tell you the truth, today you will be with me in paradise. What an amazing thing to hear and also terrifying as well. Like, you're going to die today. Like, you're, yeah, yes, for you to be with me in paradise, you're going, you're going to meet your end today. Ugh. But you'll be with me in paradise. Man, I'm so conflicted, right? Such great, amazing news and horrible news all wrapped up into one. And we have this promise. Those of us who are Christ followers that follow Jesus, we know that when we close our eyes here on earth for the final time, that we will open our eyes in heaven will be with Jesus. You know, there's religions that, you know, make you go through the gauntlet afterwards, right? And we know that it's not true, but like in what they believe, like you've you got to be weighed, you know, compared to a feather, or you have to go through purgatory, or there's this other thing that you have to do, and you have to go through all this stuff. We know that Jesus has done everything and paid the price for us here. Everything's done. It's completed. That's what the celebration of Sunday is, right? Is, is, that, is that he rose from the, it's done, it's finished. And because of that, we can celebrate in that confidence and knowing that it's not that we are looking forward to death. We want to live our life out in the fullness of what God has for us here. But when that time comes, we'll open our eyes and we'll be with Jesus. That is a great thing to be able to hold on to and say, I am confident in that. The next one that we see is this idea of care, this constant care uh, that Jesus has for us. John 19, 26 and 27 says... So when Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing there, he said to his mother, woman, look, here's your son. And then he said to his disciple, look, here's your mother. And from that very time, the disciple took her into his home. 
again, this idea of the care that Jesus has for his mother and for us as well, that while he's there on the cross suffering, that he's concerned with his mother and being taken care of. Now, here's a couple things I want us to, to see. Besides the obvious of like, wow, that's amazing. He's suffering and he's like, hey, it's like, make sure you take care of my mother, right, through this. But what does that speak to us? You know, where's Joseph? Joseph's not mentioned when it comes to Jesus' public ministry. We don't, we don't see Joseph being mentioned. Like when we talk about Jesus' family, we see it in Scripture. It says his mother, Mary, his brothers and sisters, right? So it doesn't say in Scripture this specifically, but we can assume based on these things that Joseph died before Jesus' public ministry. So why am I bringing this up when it comes to his constant care? Well, we know this because he's saying to John, hey, take care of her, the one whom Jesus loved. That always gets me that John writes that in there. The one whom Jesus loved, I'm just saying. I mean, he loves us all, but I'm his favorite, right? Just throws that in there. But he's saying take care of her, right? Because there's, there's, Joseph's not there. So this is what I thought of as I was writing this down. This is what I thought of. And we can all relate to this on some level. Have you had somebody in your life that you've talked to them, maybe you were really young, maybe you were a kid, or maybe you were a teenager or whatever, but you talked to them about what you are going to do one day. This is what I'm going to do one day. I'm going to accomplish this. I'm going to, I'm going to do this. I want to do this for a career. I want to achieve this. or I want to go to travel and go to this country or whatever, something like that. There's like this benchmark, right? And you've talked about it. And then they passed away before you did it. Then you start walking, through, maybe he was graduating from you know, college, he was getting a degree, or was going and visiting you know, Europe or something like that, but then while you did that, you thought of that person. You remembered having this conversation. Maybe, this is a little bit more real, maybe you were a hot mess, and this person was there by your side helping you through it, right? You were an addict, and they were helping you through, and they believed in you, of like, I know that you can get through this, and, and then they passed away, and they never saw you get sober. They never saw you walk through that situation and then you did maybe you found Jesus and you got you know cleaned up and healed and delivered and then you thought of that person right I imagine at some point you know it doesn't say this I mean that we read in scripture that Jesus had this moment of man as I'm going through my my ministry you know Joseph's not he's not there right why am I bringing this up well this speaks to his constant care of us we see in Hebrews 4 14 Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession. For we do not have a high priest incapable of sympathizing with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are yet without sin. Jesus went through everything that we have gone through, and yet we see this demonstrated here on the cross, that he is caring for his mother, and he's still... And we can look at that now and say... Just as he did that from the cross, he does that for us. That constant care that he has for us, that compassion, that concern. And we can trust him and we can know that he understands because he's gone through everything that we have gone through. The next one is this, is never forsaken. Matthew 27, 46. At about three o'clock, Jesus shouted with a loud voice, Man, I always mess this word up. My, my mind does never wants to read this word. Eli, Eli, lemma, sabachthani. I always want to add extra vowels in there. Sabachthani. Ah, oh, I can never say it. 
That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You know, we know that God is never going to forsake us because that's what Scripture tells us, right? He's never going to leave us. He's never going to abandon us. Have you gone through something where you feel alone? You're like, you know in your head, you know God's there, but you feel alone. You feel abandoned. You're like, where are you, Lord? And it's hard to make that connection from our mind to our heart sometimes that we know what scripture says, but I'm telling you that he will never leave you or forsake you. He'll never abandon you, no matter what you're going through. You may have to go through it and you go through the fire and it's difficult, but he's with you throughout the whole time that you're going through it. We see this in uh, Hebrews 13, 5. Your conduct must be free from the love of money and you must be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you and I will never abandon you. We see this same promise given to Moses, right? I'll be with you. I can't speak, right? I'm going to stutter. Someone's going to follow me. I'll be with you. Joshua as well. I'll be with you. You ever feel like Joshua? I mean, like Joshua has so many times, be strong and courageous. Like, man, what was this guy going through that he is like this constant encouragement? It's going to be okay. I know it's, I know it's going to be fine. Be strong and courageous. Okay, I am. What am I giving off that you keep saying this to me, right? But oftentimes we need, we need that reassurance. We need that uh, promise. But we see him uh, having the same promise. David saying in uh, Psalm 37, 25, I was once young. I feel that. Now I am old. I feel that too. I have never seen a godly man abandoned or his children forced to search for food. You know, we see Jesus being forsaken on the cross saying this so that we didn't have to. That we would not be forsaken by God. Everything that Jesus did on the cross was so that we didn't have to go through it. The things that we owe, the penalty we would have to pay, the sin that you have participated in, the the debt that you owe, everything Jesus completed and finished on the cross. Because you never could. And neither could I. None of us could. We would, we would never be good enough to pay that debt. Whatever you're going through, you can put your faith in Jesus no matter what it is, no matter how hard it is or how difficult it is. You can put your faith in Jesus. He's with you. He's not going to leave you. He won't forsake you. Full atonement. John 19, 28. After this, Jesus, realizing that by this time everything was completed, said, in order to fulfill the scripture, I am thirsty. How is atonement and thirsty connected? Well, I'm glad you asked. And some would say that um, this happened, obviously it says this in scripture, that, it, that he said this in order to fulfill scripture. But some would say that he said this because he was literally thirsty. Right? He's been on the cross, he's gone through a lot, he's thirsty, and he's got a couple more things that he's got to say. Right? I believe that as well. I believe that that's true. But I believe that there's a a deeper reason as well that he's saying this, and it has to do with atonement. Now, what's atonement? Is uh, the reconciliation of God and humankind through the sacrificial death of Jesus Christ. We see this, this being at one with God, this reconciliation of God and man coming together, right? But it only happens because of uh, the death, the sacrificial death of Jesus Christ, that this can happen. Jesus wanting us to be one with him, we see this in scripture in John 17, says, I'm not praying only on their behalf, but also on behalf of those who believe in me through their testimony, that they will be at one just as you, Father, are in me and I am in you. I pray that they will be in us so that the world will believe that you sent me. So Jesus dying on the cross atones for our sins, and then if we receive and follow Jesus, 
There is this being one with Jesus, the Father, Holy Spirit, this one with God, this atonement because of that. So how does this relate to Jesus being, you know, thirst, saying that he's thirsty? Is it fulfill the scriptures? Yes. Uh, because he literally was thirsty? Yes. But also this, in Jesus' ministry, if you look back through the Gospels, you see Jesus talking about drinking from the cup. You guys remember those scriptures? There's a bunch of them, right? We see him in the garden saying, you know, if it's possible, take this cup from me, but not my will, your will be done, right? See, like, literally, because he knows what's going to happen on the cross, so he's talking about the drink that he's, like, physically going to have to drink, so he's like, don't, I don't want it, but if not my will, your will, no. What about when uh, uh, Peter uh, cuts the guy's ear off, right? Or he says, uh, put your sword back into its sheath. Am I not to drink the cup that the Father has given me? What is, what is he talking? What is happening here? Well, we know that there's a penalty for sin, and there's this wrath from God that is stored up that will be poured out. And so as Jesus is there on the cross, he doesn't drink before that. He doesn't ask before that. But it comes to this point, and he says, I am thirsty. And at this point, he is ready to drink from the cup because it's soon after this that he actually dies on the cross. Completely finished, John 19. When he had received the sour wine, Jesus said, it is completed. Then he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. This term here in Greek is a business term. Uh, it's a finalized transaction. It's uh, a completion of, of terms. So it's like you've paid for something, you've given money or some kind of thing for the goods rendered. It is, it is completed. It is done. He, have you heard that he purchased you by his blood? You heard that before? I remember hearing that as a kid and growing up in church and I was like, ugh. I was like, what kind of transaction is that? That's terrible. They didn't have money back then. But growing up and understanding that as he died on the cross and his blood was spilt, it was this purchasing of us. It was this transaction of being completed. John 6, 28, 29 says, so then they said to him, what must we do to accomplish the deeds God requires? Jesus replied, this is the deed God requires, to believe in the one whom he sent. So we see this completed transaction, and then there's a response from us, right, of, of believing in the one whom he sent. We also see in Romans 10, 9, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. There's this belief. There's this confession. And, you know, I, I'm going to tell you this because maybe you've heard this before or maybe you haven't, and I'm telling you this for those who haven't. Growing up in the church... I believed that the confession part of what you said was like it had to be spoken for like, like, a, like it was like a spell or something. Like it had to be like this thing, this process, this procedure. There was this very specific thing because they were very specific about it in the, in the church that I grew up in. You know, say you pray this prayer. Father, dear Jesus, dear Jesus, would you come into my heart? Would you come into my heart? I believe it. You know, it was like this very specific thing. And I was like, man. These are the magic words that once I say it, then it's, you know, done. If it's not, and then I'm a very literal person, and so as a kid with that immaturity, I'm like, man, if it's not said right, who knows? This confession part, if you think about it, is the speaking out of what you believe inside. How many of you at one point, and if you think of your testimony, you had been in church or you'd heard the gospel before, and you're like, yeah, I believe that. I believe God is I believe Jesus is God and he's, you know, all that stuff happened or whatever. But your life never reflected that. 
well, was it this magical words that you didn't speak out? Is it because, you, because they're, they're magic in the words and you had to say, no, there's this thing that happens inside that you're like, oh, I believe. I believe that Jesus is exactly who he says that he is. And what scripture tells me actually happened, that he died and three days later he rose from the grave, that he is the Messiah and I want him to be my Lord and Savior. And when you believe that, what is the natural response? That I want to go hide that and pretend that it didn't happen? No. I want to speak that out and I want to confess it because I want you to know what has happened inside of me. I don't want it to be a secret. And when we speak that out, we're like, I believe that Jesus is Lord and Savior overall. His name is above every other name. He's seated at the right hand of the Father right now. And everything that he went through, he came back out of the grave with victory for you and for me and paid the penalty of sin. I believe it, and I want to follow him. When I say that, there's this testimony. Remember I, I want what Jesus said. I want them to be one in me, just as I'm one in you. Why? What does he say? Can we put that scripture back up again? Why would he say that? I gotta pull it up. I don't want it to, I don't want to say it wrong. It's so that they would believe. Where is it? Ah, I pray that they would be in us so that the world would believe that you sent me. There's this testimony of speaking this out and this confession of I believe it. And then when I say it, now there's an accountability. If I say that and I'm like, I believe Jesus is, and Sean hears me, He's going to be like, oh, so you're a Christ follower. Yes. I'm laying everything. I'm a bondservant to Christ. I belong to him. It is something that is spoken out and said. And because of that, then there should be a walking out of our faith. Something that is shown and seen. I know a lot of people that are like, I follow the Lord. Yeah, I believe in God. But their life does not reflect that. This is not a condemning word but this is a when your life doesn't look like the way that it should of a christ follower it's not reflective of the love of christ there's a problem there and it's not with jesus and it's not with the equation of like you didn't say the thing right when you confessed it. you didn't say you know oh i forgot to say it come into my heart i didn't say that part so he must not have and he's waiting at the door knocking because that's scripture too it's not that's not it there's something lacking in your following uh, Christ. And you have to really look at it and say, Lord, what, what is that? I want, I want to lay it all down. I want to follow you. Because once we understand the victory that happened on Sunday, or Resurrection Sunday, when we understand who he really is and we really believe that and that love and the compassion and the care, all those things that are there, when you understand that, you're, of course, willing to give up everything. Yeah, Lord, whatever you want, take it. I'm counting the cost. Of course. Of course you can have it. I'll leave it out in my life. What do you want me to do? What do you want me to give up? But Lord, I usually tithe this amount. Yeah, I want you to give a little bit more. Okay, I'm trusting you, Lord. I'm going to do it. I want you to go over here and help this person. I want you to go do this. Or I want you to go do that. Or I know you've been planning on this, but I want you to go on this mission trip. Or I want you to go here or there. Yes, Lord, whatever you want. I'll do it. We're so willing to then follow the Lord, even into the things that are crazy. And people were like, what are you doing? Following Jesus. Completely finished. The last one is this, is eternal commitment. Luke 23, 46. Then Jesus, calling out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And after he had said this, he breathed his last. 
Father, into your hands. Jesus commits his spirit into the hands of the Father. How much faith do you have that you can trust the Lord with everything and put it into his hands, even to your life? Uh, we, we have a lot of yeah buts, right? Yeah, but, I mean, you're making this really simple, Mike, but you don't know my situation. Yeah, but, you don't know what I, I have a lot of things here happening. There's a lot of things moving around. You don't know about, I'm worried for my kids. Yeah, but, you can fully trust the Lord with everything, with your kids, your family, your life, your finances, your future, your hopes, your dreams, your innermost thoughts, the things that you don't even share with them, everything. You can share uh, these things with the Lord, and you can trust him uh, with them. We see in John 10, it says, I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. This is a great promise. Good. No one will snatch them from my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one can snatch them from my Father's hand. Wow. This is good news for us. Yeah. Right? That as I count the cost of following Jesus and knowing that he could ask me for anything and I, can, and I can either say no or I can give it to him. I can trust him with those things. I can place them in his hand. I can place my very life in his hand and I can have peace and joy. How, how is it that we have peace and joy through trials and tribulations? How is it that we can have joy through difficult times? Well, because we understand as we are placed in his hand that nobody can steal us out from his hand. Nobody. And because of that, I'm joyful. No matter what happens here on earth, it doesn't matter. But for all of eternity, I cannot be stolen out of his hand. Thank you, Lord, for that. So I will place everything that I have in your hands. It's the safest place to put those things. My family, my concerns, my hopes, my dreams, my fears, my anxiety, my stress. Lord, I'm giving it all to you and placing it all in your hands. When we look at this, we see that he is eternally committed to you. When we look through all of these things that we just talked about, there's forgiveness of sins. Praise God for that. I don't know about you, but I am eternally grateful for that because I have done some really terrible things. And you have too. You just maybe won't admit it as much as I will. Some of you will. I've talked to you before. Forgiveness of sins. We see paradise in what we're promised. We see constant care no matter what we're going through. We know that, that Jesus cares for us, that God is looking after us and he's, he has a compassion for us. That we will not be forsaken. He's not going to leave you. He's not going to abandon you no matter what you're going through. Isn't that great news? No matter what you're going through, he's there with you. I know oftentimes you feel that alone because you have to go through something and it's difficult, but he's not going to leave you. He's not going to forsake you. He's not going to abandon you. That's amazing news. Lord, no matter what I have to go through, you are going to be there with me. If I, want, if I could pick anybody to be with me, it's you, God. I want you to be with me. No offense. Love you guys. But if I had to choose, God. Right? And you hopefully would do the same. We see full atonement being reconciled to God. Completely finished in this eternal commitment. And like I said before, a lot of people have seen this before and have heard this message of the gospel, but I've talked to so many people that are Christ followers or have been saved for a while, or so they say, but they, it comes down to when we're trying to figure out what is wrong, what is going on in your life? Why are the, what's happening here? 
there's this desire to have one foot in the world and one foot following the Lord. How, how does that work? Not well, not very well at all. There's this full commitment that we need to have uh, to God, and it's really simple. It's just everything. You don't have to work it out. It's not physics. It's not hard math or calculus or something. It's just like, Lord, whatever you want, I lay it at your feet. Whatever you want, I place it in your hands. Whatever you ask of me, my answer is yes. I've already put my yes on the table. Whatever it is, I just push it over to the, you just speak it, and I push that over to that side of the table. Yes. Yes, Lord. Whatever you want. That's what our, our position is, always. Because like I said, everything here on earth is, there's of no value compared to the eternal life we have with God. We see this when we make this commitment. We see this, this change that happens in our life. Our life changes forever. You know, when I was younger, uh, I grew up in the church, and I, you know, I gave my life to the Lord when I was like five. But you know, I walked through some really difficult times and things in my life, and I just kind of went off the other, the other direction. Was a prodigal for sure. But when I came back and I had lost everything, and I recognized that I had lost everything, and I could still come back to the Lord when I did there was this change that happened inside of me. There was this maturity in my faith of realizing what salvation really looks like and means. There was this value system of forgiveness because I had known what I did. You know, kind of before growing up in the church and always doing the right thing and stuff and knowing scripture from a young age, I believed that I was pretty righteous on my own. I would have never said that, but I believed that because I was a pretty good kid from the world standpoint. Hadn't really done anything bad. I was never in trouble with the law or anything. I never really stole anything or did anything bad. Like, you know, like kid stuff, little white lies, stuff like that. But as I got older and I came back to the Lord and I had this prodigal moment, I recognized how grateful I was for his saving grace. I had this understanding of his forgiveness and, and, and I was like, wow, that I wouldn't forgive me but you love me so much. There was this maturity of this commitment, and I'm like, I'm all in. Now, does that mean that we, you know, don't mess up or have, you know, failures? Or whatever? Of course, we're human. We're always looking to, <laughs> Lord, forgive me. Wow, I do the things I don't want to do, and I don't do the things that I want to do, right? We, we all understand that. But there's this constant hunger and desire pursuing the Lord over everything else. And we are constantly coming back. If we have drifted off, we're constantly coming back and saying, no, Lord, my commitment to you, Lord, forgive me for that. My commitment to you, I'm fully in. I'm fully in. I don't want anything of the world. I want to follow you. And like I said before, in our culture, oftentimes we say extreme things. And maybe you've said this before. I'm starving, right? Have you ever said that? You're so hungry. I'm starving. I've said that before. Do I look like I'm starving? Nope. But we say these extreme things. Or I love, I love coffee. I love, oh, I love that color. Do you really? You really love that color. You really love coffee. I mean, that's weird. You, that's, you know, but these extreme things are, oh, I'm dying to meet this person. Or I'm dying to do this or whatever. But by Jesus' actions on the cross, there's this extreme thing being said there by his actions of saying, I am dying to be with you. And it's literally like, I am dying on the cross to be with you. His love and commitment is so severe. It is so strong. That's why we celebrate today. All the things that he has said and who he is and what he was doing and what this means for us is all sealed and completed in the resurrection. That's why we're excited today. And if you have grown cold in that or you've heard it before and you're like, yeah, no, 
Lord, would you stir our hearts? Would you cause our hearts to be tender again in these moments where we're like, I've forgotten that, Lord. And Lord, I know it, I hear it in my head, but like my heart doesn't feel it. Lord, would you make that real to my heart? Lord, I want you to have my heart in the fullness uh, of what you want. He wants it all, not just part of it or just the part that, you know, like, oh, I haven't heard it phrased that way before. That's a good Easter story. No, it's not about that. It's not about this moment. It's not about me on the stage. It's not even about the words I'm saying. It is the recognition and lifting up of Jesus and who he is. It's the victory that was sealed on that Sunday in his resurrection. Uh, I'm going to have the band come up. We're going we're gonna to worship. I want you guys to think of this. Two, two things. Of course, uh, being a pastor and preaching on Easter, I have two thoughts for two different types of people who are listening, whether you're online listening or you're here in this room. Is one, the church, the body of Christ, the bride. You know Jesus, you've been following Jesus maybe for a year, maybe for 30 years. That your heart would be stirred up and would be tender towards Jesus this morning. That you would be reminded of these things and it would be like brand new to you. Lord, why am I not excited about the things that you, resurrection only, everything, everything culminated in this moment. Why is it old news to me? Why am I thinking about lunch and the family getting together? Why is that more important than that? Lord, stir our hearts that they would become tender again, they'd become calloused. We don't want to just pass this moment by and be like, yeah, okay, whatever, Easter, and dang, some chocolate. But that our hearts would be stirred. And then for those who are not Christ followers, if you've never made that commitment, there's not a magical phrase. It is, it is this idea of this. Jesus, I believe you are who you say that you are. I believe that exactly what scripture says, that you died on the cross, you paid the penalty for my sins, and three days later, you rose. I believe. I believe, and I want to follow you for the rest of my days. I want you to be my Lord and Savior. However you want to say that, it is this heart transformation of following Jesus, of I believe, and I'm confessing because I'm excited because my heart believes. And Lord, whatever that means in the future, whatever that looks like, I want to follow you. I want to be a Christ follower. I'm, I'm giving you everything right now. You have everything. You have my yes. And at that moment, you are now a believer. You are a follower of Christ. If you do that today, if you make that commitment to the Lord. Tell somebody. Tell somebody around you. Tell your friend. Tell somebody if you're here. Tell somebody who's next to you. Celebrate that. Because you were lost and now you are found. And one day we will all be in heaven together celebrating. That is an exciting time. Lord, we just give you this time as we as we worship you one last time in this service. Lord, we, we honor you, Jesus. We acknowledge you, your love and commitment for us. Father, you gave up your one and only son for us. And Jesus, you died on the cross for us. Your love is so extravagant and great. Your mercy, your grace, 
there is no depths or widths to it. We can't even measure it. It's just incredible. Lord, we're so thankful for you. We could not have made a way. None of us could have made a way. It took you the perfect sacrifice. And again, Lord, we just come back to that place. Thankfulness, gratitude, excitement, joy, hope. We're at peace no matter what we're going through. And we're just enveloped by your love. Lord, we thank you for today. We thank you that you are risen. We thank you that we can trust you with everything. We can place everything in your hands. We do that again. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.